This is exactly right. Welcome to my favorite murder. That's Georgia Hardstar. That's Karen Kilgariff. And we're here to do a podcast for you. Do you feel like listening to one? Are you ready for one? Did you accidentally press play? You Well, don't press pause now. Yeah, you Hold might on. as well. Just keep going. Keep going. Uh, we're going to talk about stuff that has nothing to do with true crime for a while. Um, but we'll it, carry you like in the sand, like how your, your friend Jesus did. Yes, my best friend Jesus. Yeah. If you see two sets of footsteps, it's because it's me and Karen. That's And we're walking next to Jesus who has you on his back. <laughs> and he's flying. And he can fly. <laughs> Uh, welcome. <laughs> welcome to a, a podcast. <laughs> it's this podcast. Um, I might as well just go right into Corrections Corner from okay, last week. Do you do mind? I, or is there anything you'd like to talk about first? Listen, I get so comfortable in Corrections Corner. It's right? like my cozy little spot. <laughs> oh, That's my life. I call it home. <laughs> um, First and foremost, I would uh, like to apologize because I referred to, mm-hmm. I made a, a funny uh reference to oh, a yeah. lock-in last <sighs> week, which is a thing that used to happen when I was in high school where you'd go to and basically sleep in the gym because it was like super spring week it or like whatever. A, it'd be like a dance and then you'd spend the night yeah, and they'd lock you in and you'd be like all the seniors, boys and stuff. Yeah, it'd be amazing. Yeah. Well, I called it a lockdown yeah. because it's 2019 <laughs> and I haven't Jeez. been to school in a while and uh, that just goes to show how uh, horrifying the gun situation is in this country how recent it is that it is not in my wheelhouse it's not i it's an easy mistake to make and i didn't hear it and the person who corrected me was so nice about mm-hmm. it wrote a lovely email that was like i know this was a mistake but you should also realize that yeah. it's the it's this bad thing we all live with that, these days that, that teenagers and young children are dealing with that the parents and i just can't even imagine either being a kid right now and going to school or being a parent of a child right now i mean it's you know we have nieces and nephews and it's horrifying it's, it's horrifying um my apologies i didn't even hear it and hey let's get some gun control when uh when the country stops spinning out yeah uh, we we'll get a hold sp- of everything yeah let's fix stuff let's fix it let's make it so hey children children better. of tomorrow yeah, yeah let's we, do it we support you um okay should i do the next one absolutely uh so I did um, last week the story of the real life orphan is what I called it. The Natalia Grace story. And the first thing um, I heard was a tweet from someone who said, you can't ta- talk about a story when- that's only sources the Daily Mail. So we looked it up and on Reddit, people were talking about it and there was other articles about it. And essentially a user named Sky Blue Ocean, S-K-Y-E, mm-hmm. uh, wrote this. It's critical to understand that Christine Barnett, the ex-adoptive mother of the adopted child, sold her story to the Daily Mail shortly after she and her ex-husband got arrested and charged by the police. Wow. This appears to be deliberate behavior by Christine as an attempt to generate a sympathy and to provoke the public to be on her side prior to her trial. Not only is this indicative of careful planning, but her sudden active presence on media regarding this case is highly suspicious. Mm -hmm. 
Is this an attempt to lessen, avoid, and or delay the date of her trial and perhaps put some of the blame on her ex-husband? Hmm. Um, that's just a question that that user was asking. Again, this is Reddit. So um, apparently Natalia Grace has been found. She has been living with new adopt- adoptive parents in Indiana. And um, the family she's now with maintains that she's currently 16 years old, wow. which means that she would have been a child in 2003. That's according to an article from Jezebel.com. And from thecut.com, police say, this is a quote, police say that bone density tests carried out on Natalia in 2010 show that Natalia was eight years old then and that at 2012 tests showed that she was around 11. (sighs) So if this is true, that would mean that the Barnett's lied when they said the bone density tests proved that Natalia was an adult. So this story... Is even worse yeah. than we than I thought it was when I first read it. And good lesson to learn of if something has a single source. Okay, but um, that should be interesting to see if uh, if we learn anything further yeah. from from that. And just kind of on that, on the heels of that, this just broke today that um, Prince Harry and Princess Meghan Markle mm-hmm. are suing the Daily Mail. Oh, this, oh, it's one of those. Is it one of those you like sent a drone into our backyard and now we have to move? Yes, they actually published a private letter <gasps> that she sent to her estranged father. So apparently the estranged father, I don't know, sold yeah. the letter to the Daily Mail. So I just thought that was kind of funny timing yeah. that I just saw that this afternoon. Well, speaking of England and the UK. Yo, hello. You guys can get tickets for a couple of the shows, have some tickets left. <laughs> just the most seamless transition. <laughs> I'm good at this. No, yeah, you really I'm are. I'm getting better and better <laughs> and worse and worse and that's that way too uh, Manchester on November 22nd has tickets Glasgow on the 23rd has a little more uh, a couple more tickets I think Dublin on the 25th has a few more and London on the 28th has a couple more too so yeah we're yeah. not entirely sold out for that very brief UK, UK and Ireland tour right so also my favorite weekend is like a month away yes it's going to be so good so good in Santa Barbara November 1st and 2nd um, we'll see you guys there. There's still tickets available. Go to myfavoriteweekend.com. Um, oh, I have a like um, an in addition to corner. Okay. So a couple people after I did the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire Factory Fire last week um, talked about the you know dire um, conditions in factories in the U.S. until you know this happened and and things got better-ish. Someone, a couple people pointed out to me that you can um, you should still be learning about ethical clothing production around the world because it is really awful in certain parts of the, of the world. So to learn about fast fashion and ethical clothing production, there's a hashtag called who made my clothes. Ooh. And it just and on Instagram, it just has some details about what you're buying, you know, who's making your clothes, what what's happening to the, the workers. And it's just an important thing. And I, I want to make sure, sure everyone knows that I know that, you know, this isn't fixed. No. So. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. And always good to know, like, further information, further reading, all of that stuff on these t- topics. We do, we do love to hear about it. Yeah. It's fun to learn. Yeah. Everybody. Learning. Are we going to talk at all about other podcasts that we've been listening to or anything? Well, wanna? Yeah, I do. Tell me what happened on Do You Need a Ride last week. <laughs> oh, are we going to do? Are we going to do exactly right first? Oh, wait. Oh, what did you mean? Oh, I actually just had a podcast I can't stop listening to. Oh my God, tell me. I need one. I'm writing Um, it down. It's, you may have listened to it already because I don't think it's brand new. Okay. But it's a, it's a podcast called Culpable. It's this first season. Did you listen to it? Which one is it? 
It's the, uh, their, their first season is about the murder of Christian Andriacchio and his, basically his mother's one woman crusade to get, because it was one of those things where it was ruled a suicide, um, pretty much immediately. And then the, the city of Meridian, uh, would not take the case back up wow. and it's been broken. This story keeps getting broken publicly. <gasps> um, Crime Watch Daily did a story about it uh-huh. and now they made this podcast and on the podcast you basically are there as it's becoming more and more public and well known. Oh, is it so frustrating and it's angering and all this stuff? It's, yes, and it's, it's, but it is also it's one of those things like when, you know, this is something that when you like true crime, you're kind of in it a lot. And so I think we take, I definitely take it for granted a lot. This woman's son was murdered yeah. and she has an entire town telling her not only was he not murdered, he commits suicide, but drop it and yeah. no one listening to her. And she just hasn't let up and has not dropped it and has basically diligently worked to try to solve it. And it's so inspiring and beautiful. And just this example of what people can get done if they, if they like stick to it and believe in every single person that comes in um, to start looking at the case to, mm-hmm. you know, help an expert or these podcasters or whatever. Every single person is just like, Oh my God, this story, we, this has to be solved. Wow. This has to be, we have to figure out what really happened. And it's just amazing listening. It's beautifully produced. Uh, I think it's Payne Lindsay's production company. Oh, okay. It's really well done. Oh, I'm going to check it out. It's called Culpable. I'm okay. just in season one right now. I think it, they have a couple other seasons. Okay. I'll check it out, but I'm thrilled for them. They're, it's such good work. I love it. I need a new one. Yeah. What's going on in your other podcast? <laughs> Um, there it is again. It's tra- it's a beautiful transition into Thank the you. exactly right um, TV guide time. Exactly right network. Uh, we have the Percast, of course, Stephen Ray Morris's podcast, and our friend Deanna Rooney is on it this week talking about the race for the rescues that she's doing on October twelfth. That I love that we're sponsoring her. Yeah. in the race, it's really awesome. Is it actually like a long race, Stephen? It's like a five k or something. Yeah, there's right? a. I think there's a five k, a ten k, and like a one k, and you can bring your dogs. I don't think. I don't think there's any cats running. (laughs) I would hope not. (laughs) It's actually a bull run, like a bull run of cats. It's going to be great. It's really angry cats. Um, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. And then who's, and then you guys do a Q&A on Do You Need a Ride? On Do You Need a Ride, we drove around and answered people's questions that Stephen got from the internet. And we did it for so long that I drove into and past Alhambra. I don't know what I did, but what? we were so far away. Cause usually we just kind of like drive around Glendale and yeah. Burbank or whatever. We were deep into, in, into the, what is that? The San Gabriel Valley? What do you call that area? I don't even know. In, just Inland we're, Empire? No, we were like e- like further east than the east side. <laughs> yes. We went past oh. the east side and then we were in and kind of past Alhambra. It was fascinating. We took pictures. Learning your city. Yeah, really. It was. Uh-oh. I don't know how I did it, but I was truly lost. I had no idea where I was. That's how you That's how you know. It's a, If you like listening to people get lost in the car and answer <laughs> questions about like, do you want to fight one horse-sized duck? or a hundred duck-sized horses. I mean, we really get into that stuff. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. 
It's one horse-sized dog, right? Yes, it is. Okay. That's the correct I answer. I knew it. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Murder Squad this week, they um, they did the really super important um, Indigenous women episode about um, the, you know, missing and murdered Indigenous women and what an insane rate they go missing and murdered. Yeah. At. And just bringing attention to that. And again, we tease this all the time, but there are more coming and we can't wait yeah. to uh, tell you what they are. Yeah. And then the fall line and this podcast will kill you. Check out their, um, they're on a hiatus for the season but you can catch up now and they're, they'll have a new season soon yeah it's exciting yeah there's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back i know it sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone but it also sounds like we just sold some merch that's right and if you're a shopify user like us you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye georgia have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant like perfectly scrambled eggs oh my god yes karen and then all i want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day well you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient made in cookware made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world for years they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware some of tom colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in maiden whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with your meals will benefit from the quality of made in products like their carbon steel cookware it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame it's the mvp of summer cookouts and cook-ins what i really love about made in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a memorial day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw say a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom it's strong enough durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Um, am I first this week? Yep. Okay. This kind of, this is similar to the one I did last week, but different. Mm -hmm. And it's one of my favorite stories to tell at parties to, to seem like I'm really excited about something. And then people realize what I'm excited about is something <laughs> morbid and horrible. Okay. And do they still want to be friends with me? Right. It's the ultimate test. Yeah. Or do they say, oh, I've got to go have a cigarette and walk away. <laughs> 
And you're like, you don't smoke. You don't even smoke. I'll come with you. <laughs> um, so this is the story of the Radium Girls. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, this is like fucking yes. next level. It's so similar. And, and while I was working on the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire, I was like, I should do the Radium Girls. Didn't expect to do it so quickly, but sometimes you just do it. This is well. It's fun to do things that you get excited about. Yeah. Like it's a good. It's a good way to follow. Right. It's this just was like, like really easy for me to do because I've. I know it and I love it. Yes. Um, tried to do it for Drunk History, but I think they got someone else to do it. So, <laughs> fuck you, Derek Waters. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love him. Um, okay. So, I got a, a lot of uh, information from a CNN article by uh, uh, Jacko P. Price Prisco. I'm sure I got that wrong. A BuzzFeed article called The Forgotten Story of the Radium Girls by Kate Moore. An article on todayifoundout.com by David Hiskey. And the book The Radium Girls, The Dark Story of America's Shining Women by Kate Moore. So, oh, she also wrote that the article, the BuzzFeed article. Look yeah, I wonder if they if they went ahead and just took parts of her book and then made an article about it. That and they did. So aside from The Radium Girls by Kate Moore, there's two books that I fucking adore that have some of this info. And like, if you're into this shit, more. Um, so The Poisoner's Handbook mm. is a really incredible book by Deborah Blum. And The Disappearing Spoon, which I've listened to fucking so many times by Sam Keen, K-E-A-N. Um, it's, it's True Tales of Madness, Love, and History in the World from the periodic table of elements Ooh. so like every fucking element has some insane story behind it and he tells them all oh that's such a good way to learn and it, it's a really great book. and i listened to both of them and they're great on audiobook too very cool yeah so okay let me tell you real quick about radium great radium is a radioactive chemical element karen <laughs> George's eyes just got so big. <laughs> They've always been big. <laughs> just like, did you know? <laughs> Karen, it was discovered in 1898 by Marie and Pierre Curie. Oh, yeah. You know, our heard of And okay, so this is at a time when like the x-ray had just been discovered. Um, this is all like brand new fucking crazy sh like radiation had just been discovered. So this is all really exciting and new. Five years after they discovered it, um, it won and they won a Nobel Prize in physics for their discovery, making Marie the first woman to win a Nobel Prize. Hell yes, Marie. Uh, yes. Good job. But not for this one, because this one sucks. Yeah. Okay. This one's bad. Uh, it was quickly put to use as cancer treatment. And that fact, the fact that it was used to treat cancer, made people believe it could be used as an all healing health like tonic mm. they're just like great let's use it in the same way that people are like heroin let's put it in baby <laughs> formula it makes babies so quiet when, when did they do that and then like turn of the century <laughs> like heroin and cocaine were like drugs you could buy in little like medicine things we're like yes i swear no 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 i believe you oh, okay <laughs> it's <laughs> put a picture of a little bottle with heroin like it's heroin It'll put a pep in your step I swear. Sleep sleep sound, little baby, with sleep, your heroin bottle. Sleep like a baby <laughs> when you put your baby on heroin. Okay. So uh, it was all the rage because they were like, this is the fucking, like literally the pep in your step. Um, it was used as an additive in a bunch of everyday products like toothpaste, cosmetics, high-end spas that we always talk about used yeah. it in their waters. They had like radium, radium waters. Oh, dude. Yeah. It was added to beverages and even butter. And it was like... 
it was touted as this fucking like snake oil tonic because I didn't know how, how it worked yet. So so why not have everyone drink it? Just use it. Then. Drink it up. Some really rich people even got it injected into them. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I believe you. I live in Los Angeles. <laughs> I injected a, right into their forehead. I have a face of <laughs> Botox. Who am I to fucking speak? You know, um, radioactive tonics began to um, be used for any ailment, including fever, gout and constipation, as well as any issue the sufferer needed an extra pep from like fatigue and impotence. Oh, it was kind of like, you know, (laughs) here we go. We'll jazz it right up. (laughs) Um, They called it liquid sunshine. And actually, because it stimulates the red blood cells, it actually does give an illusion of health like rosy cheeks. So it does like people are like, it's working. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then their cheeks explode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then the cheeks fall off. Right. Red and then gone. Right. Um, It becomes the new wonder drug. It's the most expensive substance in the world at the time, costing the equivalent of 2.2 million per gram in today's money. Holy shit. I don't know how much cocaine is, but I'm guessing it's not that much. No, it really is. Isn't. Okay. Not the kind I get. <laughs> what? You don't pay for cocaine. Stop it. I get it free. All my dealers <laughs> love true crime. But one of the most successful radium products um, was the radioluminescent paint that was made from it. So, look, I'm not getting into the fucking deets of the science and shit. Please don't. This isn't about that. (laughs) We don't do it here. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, So, basically, they made this luminescent paint, which worked by converting the radiation into light through a fluorescent chemical, and it provided a pale, glowing paint. So... Think of that this Halloween when you see glow-in-the-dark shit. Think, mm. think of you know what it makes me think of is my grandma's clock. That's exactly it. Right. That's the that's the, the Does old... Does she have an old-timey clock? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it was true radium, but it was like the kind of thing where you'd wake up in the middle of the night and that would be the only light in the room. It might... If it was made before 1968, it could have been radium. Oh, shit. Yeah. No wonder we're all so fucked up. Yeah. And the heroin. Um, <laughs> She'd always make us touch this clock. <laughs> lick before the clock. <laughs> what? Grandma, why do we have to lick the clock? I don't want to lick the clock. Do it. <laughs> Karen... Marie, uh, Curie, Curie. Like this clock. The paint was used for clock hands and instrument dials. So that's like, that was the biggest, um, most exciting use of them. It enabled like watches and pocket watches and clocks and shit to be right in the dark, which there weren't pocket lights or pocket watch lights at the time, you know, like this is, you had, this is the only way they could be right at night. Sorry. Had they still not invented pocket lights? Because what a time to live. What you mean the, cell phones? The true dark ages. <laughs> Literally, yeah, the dark ages. Literally. But they had heroin, at least. The dark, park, dark, dark pocket ages. Shit. Forget it. You had it. You had it. Don't so, edit that out. So close. Um, so, okay. This is one of my favorite facts is like the reason this became popular, the watches being um, illuminated, is because during World War One, when uh, military maneuvers required precise synchronization, they needed those lights those watches to light up at night and in the dark trenches and they needed it to happen without the um, enemy spotting them and like you know shining a fucking torch on their like on their watch and at the time um, wristwatches was for like ladies mostly but during the World War One they became popular with men and soldiers Um, so once the war was over soldiers came back with these fucking newfangled wristwatch slash illumination watchy (laughs) times and Everyone lost their shit. And yeah. I was like, I fucking need that. I need that. That's right. Um, <laughs> need to lay, a, lay in bed at night, not sleeping and staring at my exactly. watch. Exactly. Yeah. Ugh. 
light uh, pollution, man. Mm-hmm. It's a real bitch. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. dial. So basically, um, the every little number and every little line and second line and ha- the hands and shit were all painted with this illuminating paint, guys. You get it. Um, so it's shown all the time. Didn't require charging and sunlight. Everyone was like, this is fucking magic. Yeah. Now we have heroin, cocaine, and fucking nice watches. And time. And time. And just at time, anytime we want to look at it. That's right. We're living, truly living. Truly, madly. Okay. Also, smoking was healthy back then. Yeah. What a time. And now we're vaping. <laughs> I'm vaping. I should say I'm vaping. Please stop vaping. And I have Botox in my face. Oh, but speaking of, sorry, sidebar. Go. But Steven sends me a fucking, I, we should post this. Steven sends me a picture of a vape Give the other that. day and goes, is this yours? Did you leave it at the studio? And I'm like, no, it's not my fucking vape, Steven. Who I do took, you think I am? I took a real gamble with two I texted first. <laughs> yes, I am proud that I was not the first person I'm to be texted. so mad. I was like, no, fuck no. What did I write to you? I was so mad. I think you were just like, hell no. And then you were like, do you think it's Georgia's? And I just didn't answer. It was just like, you picked me as a vapor first. I am on, I feel like Tori Spelling right now. Where I'm just like, Donna, I'm like, Donna Martin graduates. I don't get picked for the vape. This is the fucking best. I seem like an innocent girl, but really, I'm stealing. I'm, I don't even know who I am then because Jesus Christ, I was just like, have I ever vaped in front of you, Stephen? How dare you? I I'm not a fucking DJ. Get away. Stop making fun of me. It was mine. <laughs> was it really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, you didn't really? know that? No. This is my favorite. It's CBD and just a smooch of THC. Oh, I thought you figured that out. Oh, shit. Am I allowed to announce? <laughs> But AI vape and and but you p- please don't do that because it's going to kill you. It's so I know, bad for I your know, lungs. I know. I know. Okay. I know. I know. All right. I'm trying not to. You just rub the cream on your arms. You'll be fine. Okay, thank you. It's mostly <laughs> it CBD. Was, it was her. Yes. You son of a bitch, Stephen. <laughs> and I was so nice about your haircut. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I got the text and I was like, God damn it. Okay. Oh my god. I literally thought it was going to be like, who's someone left their vape? It's Billy Jensen. Billy Jensen. Vapor. He stays up at night solving crimes and vaping at his desk. (laughs) He's like a detective, but it's not so cool. Modern. One of the factories to produce these watches that we were talking about uh, opens in Orange, New Jersey in 1916. Oh, so it's like they they had gotten the military contract to make the uh, these luminescent watches for soldiers. So like that's a big deal. They're called the U.S. Radium Corporation, um, and they hire about 70 women and girls, some as young as 14. It's the same situation as the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, where, you know, young girls worked, and they worked in these big, uh, you know, factories all set up together. But um, it was actually a well-paid, glamorous job. And, like, oh. the, the girls who got, and I'm going to say girls a lot, and I know I mean young women, but just please bear with me. <laughs> um it was a glamorous job. It was, it paid three times as much as a regular factory job. Okay. okay. It was, and then also they were listed as artists in their town directories. So it was like kind of a prestigious job. Nice. Yeah. And they told their, you know, friends and sisters and they all got hired for it as well. So like everyone was stoked on this fucking position. It was quote, the elite job for the poor working girls. It paid more than three times the average factory job. And what's so, if you're making five bucks an hour and suddenly you're making like, it was like 15 to 18, oh. it's bananas. And 
and they got to work with radium, which in their minds were was like the healthy fucking tonic. It was <laughs> it was like uh, that vitamin C stuff that you pour in water when you go on a plane. That's right. That actually doesn't do anything except for make you feel better. That's right. That's just harrowing, Karen. <laughs> Uh, I wish. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And they soon became known as Radium Girls, and they ranked in the top 5% of female workers nationally, and eventually an estimated 4,000 workers were hired by corporations in the U.S. and Canada. A lot of them were U.S. Radium Corporation workers to paint watch faces with radium between 1917 and 1926. So this was a big fucking career move for women. Can I give you an... um, um a prediction that I have for this story. Okay. That by the end of the story, um, the U.S. Radian Corporation is going to change their name. <laughs> to <laughs> Oh, no. Will you bleep that? Just bleep it. Okay. So this is at a time when uh, women are slowly gaining financial freedom. The boys are all at war so they can have these fucking awesome jobs. And this is like the best one. And it's a time of growing female empowerment. So this is like changing the way women uh, live and work. And it's an important step in it. Except it's radium. So. Well, another perk of the radium paint that it made everything it touched shimmer and glow in the dark. So after work, so like they'd turn the lights off and they'd sprinkle it on their heads and dance in it. They'd wear their fanciest dresses to work so that it could glow. And after work, they'd go to the speakeasies, they'd go to the dance halls and they'd be the glowing girls. Uh And they'd look, you know, uh, Effervescent. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. That's Probably. a great word. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, also, Illuminescent. Lu- yeah. Luminescent. But I bet you they were like so thrilled. It was like they got to be a part of the new wave yeah. of something. And it's like you go out and it's like, oh, that must be one of those girls who has that fucking tits job. Yes. I'm going to go borrow $7 from her. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's what I would be thinking. It's a fortune. <laughs> and, the, and the radium dust was in the factory air itself. It was like glowing. So uh, they even rubbed it on their teeth to oh. like... Freak each other out. And they painted their nails with it to make them glow as well. They became known as ghost girls Mm -hmm. because they would be walking home in in the dark and just be fucking glowing. They're the first goths. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. They'd blow their noses and their tissues would glow. (laughs) That's like my sister. Sorry, but my sister texted me one time and she's like, I just blew my nose and glitter came out because I teach kindergarten. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's exactly what that is. So here's the thing, though. Obviously, that's all bad because now we know radium is fucking toxic. But they didn't at the time. Um, And the technique they'd been taught to get these teeny tiny numbers on wristwatches painted small enough, the tiny dials, which sometimes were only 3.5 centimeters wide, was called lip pointing. After painting each number, the girls were instructed to slip the tip of this teeny tiny paintbrush between their lips to make it a fine point. So you'd paint the one lip point. You'd paint the two. Yeah. Let me go through the dial. (laughs) Um, Count me up to 25. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have you been fucking with my vape? (laughs) You wouldn't. You know, conceptually, yes. Um, so it was known as the lip dip paint routine. So with every digit, the girls swallowed a little bit of radium. Uh, yeah, yeah, and the yeah. women were not stupid. They were like, yo, is this fucking safe? And the managers were like, no, it's totally safe. It'll put a rosy glow in your cheeks. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Even though the like big wig men were wearing like fucking lead, you know, sh- jackets to work with it and were very careful with it. Mm-hmm. And probably, and I'm sure already knew that it was 
you know, radioactive. Yeah. When did they when did they truly know? Pretty it is a good question. Pretty early on, I would say. Yeah. Um so and it's only a twenty year element twenty year old element. So like what you know, even if they knew they didn't know the long term effects of it at all. Yeah. But just like, like vaping. <laughs> Just it's almost exactly the same. Shit. In fact, um, Marie Curie herself had suffered radiation burns from handling her own fucking finding. Yeah. And um, Pierre Curie had once said that he would not want to be in a room with pure radium because he believed it would burn all the skin off his body, destroy his eyesight and, quote, probably kill him. But they're like, no, but put those fucking paintbrush chips in your mouth. Yeah. As you can imagine, since it's fucking radioactive, the women um, started to experience side effects of fucking unknowingly feeding themselves radium pretty quickly. Uh. In the early 20s, 1920s, some of the radium girls started developing symptoms like chronic exhaustion, tooth and jaw pains, even stillborn births. 22-year-old Molly Magia, M-A-G-G-I-A. Magia. Oh, Magia or Magia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She had uh, had to quit her job at the radium factory because of the aching pain in her limbs that were so agonizing that they eventually left her unable to walk. Oh. And that's in, uh, in the early 1920s. And this job wasn't that old. Mm-hmm. So she had been erroneously diagnosed with rheumatism and had been prescribed only aspirin at first. But quickly she had lost most of her teeth. That was the thing was that the teeth would come out and in their place, um, these agonizing ulcers would grow and the teeth would just come out. And then her entire lower jaw and the roof of her mouth and even some of the bones of her ears were said to be one large abscess. Oh, God. Yeah. And this is after a couple years of this. So her entire lower jawbone had become so brittle that her doctor removed it simply by lifting it out. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is like bad news. Uh-huh. Intense. Yeah. yeah. Her jawbone was found to be riddled with teeny, these teeny tiny holes. And this is because the body actually treats radium as ca- a calcium substitute. So it, you know, absorbs like it would absorb calcium. It absorbs radium. Into but it's, the bone. Right. But instead of strengthening the bones like calcium, radium kills off the bone tissue. <sighs> But the women weren't yet aware of the culprit, of course. That's because the specialist who'd begun to help the women who were suffering, Dr. Frederick Flynn of Columbia University, um, after declaring there was absolutely nothing wrong with them, he turned out not to be a licensed physician, but a toxicologist working for the very radium factory that the women worked for, the U.S. Radium Corporation. Boo. And the man who was introduced as his colleague was actually a vice president there as well. So they were like, yeah, we're doctors. You're fine. Don't worry about it. It's horrible. So the U.S. Radium Corporation also paid off local doctors and dentists to tell the women that they were suffering from syphilis. And partly, uh, like, they told them they were suffering from syphilis, and it was also, like, shaming them to not talk about it. To shut up. Yeah, Yeah. to shut up. And that was being written on their charts and written as eventually their cause of death, which was shameful to the family. And they could use it against them in court if they had to later down the road. What a fucking dastardly move this is only a hundred years ago Fuck. it's uh, that's not that long ago guys so when the girls started dying from their radium poisoning first with maggie on september 12 1922 she's just 24 years old mm-hmm. the list of cause of death is syphilis um 
18-year-old Grace Fryer, she had started to work as a dial painter on April 10th, 1917, just four days after the U.S. had joined World War One. She wanted to do all she could to help with the uh, war effort, which I think a lot of women getting these jobs felt they were, you know, doing all they could. Yeah. But by the time Maggie had died, Grace Fryer, too, was having trouble with her jaw and suffering pains in her feet. And so were her colleagues. And their legs broke underneath them. Their spines collapsed. Like these were, <sighs> they were bedridden and soon more were dying. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, the United, the U.S. Radium Corporation denied any responsibility for the deaths for almost two years. But when their bottom line was threatened by the shrinking sales due to the rumors that were spreading about the dangers of radium. So finally, people aren't like buying it anymore. And they're like, all right, we got to do something. Yeah. In 1924, they commissioned an expert to look into the rumored link between the dial painting profession and the women's deaths. The independent study confirmed the link between the radium and the women's illnesses. But instead of accepting the findings and making the, um, the changes that had been uh, suggested. Thank you. The company paid for new studies that published the opposite conclusion, and they also lied to the Department of Labor, which had begun investigating about the verdict of the original report. Bastards. Totally. So in 1925, a doctor named Harrison Martland devised tests that proved once and for all that radium had poisoned the women. Fucking finally. Martland discovered that when radium was used internally, even a tiny amount, the radium had essentially honeycombed the women's bones. Oh, my God. I know. Like it's what a, so dark. It's so dark. It's so dark. In 1925, Grace Fryer, her spine was essentially crushed and she had to wear a steel back brace. She decided to sue, finally, Good. the U.S. Uh, Radium Corporation. But she would spend two years searching for just a lawyer who was willing to help her. That's like two years of that. But she said, uh, quote, it is not for myself. I care. I am thinking more of the hundreds of girls to whom this may serve as an example. Yes. Because remember, there's like 4,000 of these workers out there. And like, it's, as you said, just the beginning of this kind of empowerment where women are like, I can have a job. Yeah. I can get paid decently. Yeah. Like all these ideas where it's almost like this is the, you know, yeah. they could interpret it as like, oh, this is what I get for trying to leave the kitchen, right. essentially. Right. So it's like, thank God. That and yeah, and it is this thing of like these women stood up to, to shit being unfair. Like, it's straight up like, that's not fair. It's like basic fucking fairness. It's, it's not. Yeah. It's like, it's not only not fair, you you must be psychopaths yeah. to do this and then try to justify it. Totally. And lie about it. Yeah, exactly. So other women's legs were shortened and they spontaneously fractured. Ugh. Sometimes the moment a woman realized she even had radium poisoning was when she caught sight of herself in a mirror in the middle of the night as the radium had embedded itself in the, her, the, her bones and had caused them to glow from the inside out. Oh, God. So she'd walk by a mirror, see herself glowing and be like, fuck. And like all of her fucking friends and coworkers were dying. They literally were and glowing falling apart. in the dark. Yeah. Ugh. So by then, Dr. Martland had also found that the poisoning was fatal because there was no way to remove the radium from your body. So Grace was finally able to find a lawyer named Raymond Barry, who, along with Grace um, and four fellow workers, Catherine Schaub, uh, Edna Hussman, Quinta McDonald, and Albina LaRice, accepted their case in 1927. 
Wow. Yeah. They were seeking $250,000 in damages, which is about $3.4 million today. Good. But they wanted to just fucking pay their increasing medical bills. They wanted, they couldn't work, so they wanted money for that. And eventually they needed the money for their own funerals. And they knew uh, it. It's not fucking horrific. Yes. That you need, you're suing this company because you need money for your own funeral. Which is probably right around the corner. Yeah. So keep in mind that some of the women are still employed at the fucking factory. But even with a lawyer, they had a huge fight ahead of them due to the two year, there was a two year statute limitations on occupational poisoning, which is like, Huh. Fucking statute. I wonder who, pre- who passed that law. Yeah. Hmm. And so most of the girls didn't start to get sick from radium poisoning until at least five years after they started work. So that was already gone by the time they fucking realized they were even sick. Yeah. Um, the rich and powerful radium corporations, of course, they had to fight them. And the fact that they had to fight a legal battle that necessitated the overturning of an existing legislation, which is huge. Like, it's not just like, I'm suing based on this. It's I need to turn this over so I have the right to sue. Yeah. Crazy. But Grace was the daughter of a union delegate and she had chutzpah. Badass. Totally. By now, the fight had become internationally famous and there were all these people who were on the women's side and couldn't believe this was happening. And there were a lot that were like, this is starting to be uh, during the downturn of uh, the Great Depression. And so they were like, you know, some people were against them because they were like, don't fight the people who are giving you jobs, which is ridiculous. Yeah, well, and and it's very much like keep people in power who will kill you for money. Right, exactly. Yeah. We just need jobs no matter what they are. No. No. So the U.S. Radium Corporation, of course, wanted to delay the trial as much as possible with the hope that all the women in the case would die before the outcome would be reached. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they just kept, you know, being like our uh, executives are on vacation for months and they kept calling these long recesses for like months and months. And I think that was pissing a lot of the public off because they could tell what was happening. Ugh. So they kind of rallied around the women. Um, in fact, by the time the women finally appeared in court to testify in January of 1928, none of them were able to raise their arms to take the oath. Oh, my God. And two were bedridden. And these are young women. These are young fucking women. Um, As some of the women had just been given four months to live and the company seemed intent on dragging out the legal legal proceedings, um, the case was finally settled in the women's favor in 1928. And it became a milestone of occupational hazard law and raised the profile of radium poisoning just as Grace had wanted. That was her whole fucking point. I think she knew she wasn't going to survive. In all, by 1927, more than 50 women had died as a direct result of radium paint poisoning. And despite denials of any fault by the U.S. Radium Corporation, after the lawsuit, um, they and other factories that dealt with radium-laced paint, they changed the working conditions quickly. I think they were, like, realizing this was going to be fucking bad. Um, They they banned the lip pointing, so you couldn't put the brush in (laughs) your... Okay, good. (laughs) Thank you. You were telling us to do it. Now you don't want us to do it. (laughs) Great. And they um, gave them protective clothing to minimize exposure. Um, and after these simple changes were instituted, which actually had been suggested and ignored years before by that independent study, the health issues among dial painters quickly went away. And, um, it's, it's likely that at least some of them still got cancer later in life as a result of working with the radium paint. Right. Um, but significantly lower amounts. By the time Grace's of Grace's settlement, the dangers of radium were publicly known. People stopped fucking bathing and drinking in it, <laughs> buttering their toast with it, or whatever the fuck. Health and, toast. Yeah. 
Um, more women sued and <laughs> just more women sued and the radium companies appealed several times. But in 1939, the Supreme Court rejected the last appeal. So finally that happened. The survivors received compensation and, um, the death certificates of the women who had been, um, put as syphilis as all these other conditions that weren't real and true. They were changed to radium poisoning, Good. which I think is a big, you know, a big deal. Yes. That, that is such an invasive, shitty move. Yeah. Like Sim- what, a, yeah. what sinister mind was behind that? Yeah. And they actually, um, they, uh, resurrected Maggie's body. Sorry, I'm, li- I'm listening to an 1800s New York resurrectionist book right now. Oh, they um, de-inter- disinterred it? Yeah. Like, and, bit, dug it up. And she was glowing. Like, it, it lasts, it lasts lifetimes. Yeah. Um, the Radium Girls case was one of the first in which an employer was made responsible for the health of the company's employees. And it led to regulations that saved lives and ultimately to the establishment of OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, which now operates nationally in the United States to protect workers. Um, before OSHA was set up, 14,000 people died on the job every year. Wow. Today, it's just over 4,500, which is a fucking lot. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. That's a lot. The women also left a legacy as to science um, that's been termed invaluable as it revealed the dangers of radium. So thankfully, people stopped using it. Yeah. In fact, Marie Curie's notes from the 1890s are still considered too dangerous to handle without protection due to the high levels of radioactivity and are stored in lead lined boxes. Yeah. Her notes about <laughs> this. About radium. Yeah. And she died from a, a, plas- a plastic anemia in 1934 resulting from long-term ionizing radiation exposure. So she died fucking from radiation exposure as well. Yeah. Um, But I think clearly Grace Fryer is a fucking hero. Hell yeah. And uh, cheers to her. Yeah. Oh my God. And that's the story of the Radium Girls. You know, first of all, amazing. And also, don't you think, could it be that because of the triangle shirtwaist fire and the results of that, that when they finally did get caught, yeah. they actually, that was the, that's the difference. A precedent that is like, was set. Yes. There's a tiny bit of an improvement where those, the triangle shirtwaist fire guys were just like, now we're going to open another factory. Yeah. All, everything's the same. You can't touch us. Ha ha yeah. ha. And in this one, at least they were just like, okay, shut all that down. Yeah. Make these fixes. Let's like, change, let's do a couple of changes. And this is also in New Jersey around the same time. So it's like, I'm sure they were following tri state area. Tri state. It got, it got around. <laughs> That was great. Wow. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, next time you're at a party, give it a shot and say, have you heard of the Radium Girls? Hey, I just want to talk to you. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. 
Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Well, this week I'm going to do um, at my friend Bradford's hometown, actually. Um, he is from Bradford Perleski. He's from Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And he um, told me <laughs> told me about this a while ago. Um, but he kept saying, did I ever tell you about the um, Dairy Queen murder? What? And then I was like, no. And I was like, I'll send you the article. And then he didn't do it for like years. Yeah. And he finally sent it to me. What it's really called is the murder of Lisa Sahasky. Um, so, um, classic. Yeah. So it is. It's just a, it's a classic one. Um, I got the information from an article from the Chicago Tribune, CBS 58 WDJT Milwaukee, which is the local news and the Wisconsin State Farmer. Um, there's a book called Killer Women that, you know, every once in a while you'll look up a story and it'll just show you pages from a book. Yes. And it'll, but it'll only show you a certain amount and of pages. And it won't let you copy and paste them and see if it's a fucking retype. No, everything. you have to read the whole thing, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Um, there's a book called Killer Women Devastating True Stories of Female Murderers by Wensley Clarkson. And so I read a couple pages of that book until they wouldn't let me read anymore. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of good information in that. And um, okay, so on the morning of September 21st, 1989, Shirley Sahasky realizes that her daughter, Lisa, who uh, works as the assistant sales and catering manager at the Howard Johnson Hotel, um, has not come home from her night shift. Uh, so Shirley drives over there to see if Lisa is still at work or what's going on. And when she gets there, she sees that um, her daughter's car is still in the parking lot. So she's really relieved. Uh-huh. And then she... Um, goes walks up and looks inside her daughter's car and after that nothing would be the same for her again so lisa Sahasky is um the daughter of uh, ginseng farmers in burnham wood wisconsin um lisa's an ambitious smart popular girl she was um the 1986 homecoming queen at wittenberg burnham one high school and um when uh in 1984 she uh, she started dating a local dairy farmer named Bill Buss who was 5 years older than her mm-hmm. so this is um this is like upstate wisconsin basically very um rural it's rural and it's very and agricultural and um so that's you know that's what a lot of people yeah. do up there um normal so, she had like a normal life Exactly. Yeah. And um, so a lot of farming, a lot of a lot of cows and dairy. Um, Smelly. The smells are amazing. You know. And of course, what Wisconsin's famous for? Cheese. Yay. Um, so um, Bill, uh, the guy she was dating, he had also gone to the same high school, um, but he was about five years older, as I said. So after graduation... He took over running his parents' 50-acre farm, nice. and he ran it by himself. Oh, my God. So he had to do all the work on the farm, did did everything. Fuck that. Um, so he was real, you know, salt-of-the-earth kind of person. Um, so Lisa dates Bill for l- around three years, but um, they break things off in 1987 because Lisa wants to um, become a travel agent. So she... Um, 
that's what she's planning to do. And Bill wants her to basically settle down and start a family yeah. with him and live on the farm. And he's, you know, like, doesn't like that she doesn't just want to do that. So they decide to end it. Um, and soon after, Bill starts dating other people and he eventually, um, starts to seriously date another local beauty queen, 18 year old Lori Easker. So Lori grows up in Hatley, Wisconsin, um, on her family's 450 acre Holy, farm. His was 50? His was 50. So it's a big old, oh a big old ranch. Um, I grew up in a condo. I can't even imagine <laughs> a fucking farm. <laughs> I grew up in a plain old house next to a very small farm yeah. that had no output. It was just kind of for fun, essentially. Love it. Um, for 4-H, essentially. But, um, yeah, these were, these are people that like farm yeah. that milk. They sell milk. It's like they don't complain. Dairy production. No, but they never complain. <laughs> You know. Well, who would they complain to? Right. No it's, one gives a shit. They don't have a boss. It's they're the boss. Uh, they're doing it all. It's my worst nightmare. The cows are like, you think you have it bad? Look <laughs> at that machine hooked up to my udders. Um, <laughs> I live to complain. That just kills me. Okay. <laughs> That's what people are sowing at night with the, at the kitchen table. Oh, yeah. I live to complain. <laughs> um, so Lori Easker goes to the same high school. Um that Lisa and Bill went to. Um, she's a year younger than Lisa. She was a national, a member of the National Honor Society. She was the president of her local chapter of the FFA, the Future Farmers of America. Got it. Um, she's also pretty. She's also ambitious, um, like Lisa. And after her graduation in 1987, she goes away and studies at the University of Wisconsin River Falls to, um, to study agriculture journalism. Cool. So, um, during her first semester of her freshman year there in 1988, she starts dating the newly single and now 24 year old Bill Buss. So the next summer, she's actually crowned the Marathon County Dairy Princess. Cute. Um, it's a very high honor. It's a very big deal. Marathon County is the most dairy intensive county in the state of Wisconsin. Holy so shit. that's really saying something. Calm down. Right. And, and if you're, I guess if you're named the dairy princess, you're like, your family has to be involved in dairy production. You're like, wow. you know, you're in it. So it's, yeah. um, you're, not just any old you're pretty your face. Teeth. <laughs> you're up to your teeth and dairy. <laughs> you got to know your shit. Yeah. Um, your cow shit. So, so essentially, it seems to things seem to be all coming together yeah. for um, for Lori uh, until June of 1989, and that's when Bill breaks up with her. Um, so she's devastated, and um, she she basically thought she was going to settle down with Bill and like raise kids and yeah. and be on his farm. Um, her family kept um, several head of cattle on his farm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's like how she knew him. Um, that's how you know you're serious, right? He's like the hot older farmer that, that was like around. Yeah. And she would come over to feed her, oh, your cows? her cows. Oh my God. How are your cows? Mine are good. <laughs> um, Okay, so he breaks up with her and she loses her shit. Um, because then, relatively soon after this breakup, she hears that Bill and Lisa Sahaski have gotten back together mm -hmm. and that he is planning on proposing mm -hmm. to her, uh, to Lisa on Lisa's 20th birthday, which is October 25th. Oh shit. So 
According to Lori's college classmates, she was obsessed with Bill. She talked about getting back together with him constantly. She also told her friends that she hated Lisa Zahasky. She actually, one time they were in the same bar together and she's like called her a bitch and a slut, like made a scene at this bar. So it's very well known around the area that like this, that Lori hated Lisa. Um, And a lot, you know, a lot of people knew that Lori was kind of on the edge, but nobody understood how far she would go. So, so one night it's just past midnight. Bill has had to stay up till the way it's explained is that he had to stay up till midnight because that was like the most productive time that he could milk his cows. Mm -hmm. So he had to stay up and do it all himself. Mm -hmm. And then he finally gets back into his house to go to bed at 1245 because he has to get up again at 530 in the morning to start working Mm, again. No complaints. I mean, (laughs) you just can't. Mm -mm. Um, And right as he's trying to go to sleep 1245, he hears a knock at his front door and he tries to ignore it. But it's not going away and he knows it's not going away because the person on the other side of the door isn't going to leave and because she's done it before and it's Lori Easker. He had broken up with her three weeks before but she would not leave him alone and she kept driving down from college to his house to talk to beg him to get back together with her um, trying to have sex with him saying you know like you know we need to get back together. Um, Ever been there before? Oh my God. You mean pathetic? Yeah. And yes. It's of the course. worst feeling. It's terrible. Ugh. And it is that thing of when you're in it, it is like, this is the only person that I will ever have these feelings. Yeah. About. You have this adrenaline and, it, and you have this like fucking. Well, you have a like a. A dopamine. Yeah. You, they gave you this dopamine hit and they're not giving it to you anymore. Totally. So you're like a drug addict that can't get that's jonesing, jonesing. For and if you drug. can't get that person back, it proves something about you and you can't let that be proved about you. So yes. you have to fucking make this work. And it's like the only thing you think about. Yeah. And you could I think you could put together with those facts about her life that clearly she right. was an achiever. She was used to you know, winning, used to winning, pretty, uh, you know, smart, you know, Guys, used to being the president. Yeah. Get Used to getting her ways. Get through your twenties and it calm your dopamine just kind of levels out. Yeah. <laughs> pretty low. You know what it is? When you're in your twenties, try not to make any big moves. Yeah. Because although you know you're right, yeah. And that you can believe you're right. Yeah. A hundred percent. You're not. Yeah. Move in slow motion. Yes. In your three or twenties. And if anybody is like waving their arms over their head going, please listen to me, yeah. just do it. Just yeah. try to listen to them. Especially if it's your sister. <laughs> I know she was an asshole when you were young. But right. She's, but she does care about yeah, you. Yeah, she doesn't want you to look like a fucking idiot. She really is trying to do She's trying to run interference for you <laughs> and just save a little bit of face. But, and look, we've all been there. If Listen. you've made a fool of yourself, you are not alone. You have just become one, one of, in the uh, brotherhood uh, of man. That's right. And the sisterhood of women. That's right. Um, and also because here's the thing that. You know, it does suck when people are basically like, well, I was going out with the girl I loved, but it's not working out. Now I'm going to shop around and see how I feel. Forget it. I'm going back. Yeah. Because and that's just what happens sometimes. So it can't be this point of pride because you everybody loses in love until the one time they win. Exactly. It's how it is. Oh, it's lovely. Um, <laughs> Everyone's a loser until they're not one time. It's true. It's so true. And I'll say this. I only learned, uh, understood that like when I was like 47. Like it took me way too long to get it. But I think you can win more than once. If, Definitely. If, it, if the winning eventually becomes losing. 
Yeah, look. eventually, look, we are all going to lose, a.k.a. die. So <laughs> Or divorce. <laughs> or get divorced. I'm not getting divorced. I don't want this to seem like I'm announcing my divorce. I'm not. If you were to get divorced, I would not let you announce it on this podcast. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's not how you do it. Um, love you, Vince. You have to. <laughs> I love you, Vince, too. Please don't leave us. Um, so, okay, but. Everyone's had this kind of freak out and made an asshole of themselves. You have to know when to drop it. Yeah. Especially when, um, like this evening in particular, Lori knocks on the door, goes inside, says, we, I know you want to get back together with me. It was so good between us. Begins taking her clothes off. She's wearing lingerie underneath her clothes. She's doing a big, sexy presentation. He's kind of like, what in the hell? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm not doing this with you. I'm too tired. No, go home and okay. goes into his room. He goes to bed. She stands there because she can't believe it's not working. Yeah. Then she goes into his room, gets on top of him and is like, I know you want it, essentially. And if basically forces him to yell, I don't love you. I love Lisa. Get out of my house. I, give up. And basically, ma- he has to, like, scream Holy it in her shit. face. She makes him scream it in her face. Don't make people scream it in your face. Don't make people scream anything in your face. Don't make people suggest it in your face. Yeah. Just get away. Don't let people in your face. If people... you What's that? There's an amazing... Um, when, you, when people... You can pick your friends <laughs> screaming faces, but you can't pick your... Nina, it's a Nina Simone quote, singer Nina Simone, and she said, you have to learn to get up from the table when love is no longer being served. (gasps) Nina! Beautiful! Okay, so she finally stops, and without a word, she gets up and walks out the door and slams the door, and Bill thinks, thank God I finally got rid of that crazy ex-girlfriend. Guess what? But sadly, that was not the case. Mm. And two months later, on the morning of September 21st, Shirley Sahasky would find the body of her daughter lying dead in her car in the parking lot at her work. So the police are called to the scene. They determine Lisa's cause of death to be strangulation. Holy shit. And they announce that they're on the lookout for either a male or a female. So everybody keep your eyes peeled for everyone around you. (laughs) Wow. When Bill Buss is questioned by the police, he brings up the fact that on June 23rd, Lisa had a loud argument with a woman on his farm um, after Bill had said that he wanted to end his old relationship and that that woman was Lori Easker. So uh, eight days later, police arrest. Lori Easker. Mm-hmm. Um, she's brought in for questioning on September 29th, 1989. She gives her account of the evening of September 20th, saying that she had rented a car. She was only 20, so she actually had to convince the rent-a-car person. Wow. And she told this big lie about a thing she needed to go... Grandma died. Yes, yeah, she had to go help her m- mom or grandma, I can't remember, move, and that she really needed it, and please, and she just charmed her way yeah. into renting a car. That's bananas. Super bananas. She drives the 150 miles um, northeast to the Howard Johnson Motel where Lisa works. When she gets there, she waits for Lisa in the parking lot. She sits and waits for Lisa to get off work. And then when Lisa walks outside, she's standing there and she's like, we need to talk. And Mm. she says, we need to talk, get it. We need to get into your car. Yeah. So once she's inside, the, um, 
Lori tells Lisa that Bill is hers and she needs to leave him alone. And Lisa tries to reason with her. Uh, she says, look, it's, it's, you have to give up. Mm-hmm. It's not like this anymore. Like mm-hmm. you, you've, it's crazy now. And this is when Lori drops her bombshell. She tells Lisa that she's pregnant with Bill's baby. Fuck. And she's expecting Lisa to start crying and break down and get really mad they at Bill. They broke up three weeks earlier. Yeah. And she, and she's basically, this is her thing of like, I'm going to make yeah. her like get mad at Bill and freak her out yeah. and then break them up essentially. But instead of that... Lisa tells Lori she knows she's lying. She says that Bill would never betray her and that if for some reason he had like been seduced and gotten Lori pregnant, that he would have told her by now because Mm -hmm. that's the relationship they had because he really loved her and that she's known Bill for a really long time and Lori has it. And she basically says she trusts him and she knows that he loves her and not Lori and that Lori needs to accept it. And this is when Lori snaps. Mm. She tells police. Now, she tells police that she and Lori um, started fighting. They got into an argument in the car that then um, basically got out of control. And fearing for her life, Mm -hmm. Lori acted in self-defense by grabbing a belt that she found in the backseat of the car and wrapping it around Lisa's neck. That's not self-defense. No, it is not. Holy shit. So... The officer that was questioning Lori, his name is Sheriff's Deputy Randy Hohen- Honich. You so- got it. Sorry, Randy. <laughs> it probably is not. But that's as close as I can yeah. get. Um, he asked Lori to demonstrate the strangulation mm. so it could be on record. And he says that Lori, quote, was not shy or hesitant at, as to how she did this. As, as a matter of fact, she had me off my chair and up against the wall in the interview room. Holy shit. And he said Lori was, quote, a strong, powerful woman. It takes a long time to strangle someone to it death. It takes over two minutes. That's so insane. the idea that it was an accidental death is yeah. impossible. That's a sustained fucking experience. Like, you're to you're not trying to calm someone down well no and subdued. even if you are you could use the excuse of like we got into this yeah. fight and i was so angry i was in a rage yeah but then you then count out two minutes on your watch yeah and at some point the person's unconscious and you still don't let go no and they're fighting you right. and yet Lori, it's horrific um lisa had scratches on her own neck trying to get yeah. the belt off of her neck yeah. oh um, my god so Lori claims she never intended to kill lisa that at the time of the strangulation she didn't even know if lisa was dead or just passed out so she says that she went into lisa's purse took out her makeup bag pulled out a like a compact mirror and held it to lisa's mouth to see if her breath would create like steam on the mirror she wanted to make sure she was dead yes and then she when she saw that she was not breathing she said that she told the police that she thought Oh, my God, I've killed her. I don't know what I'm going to do. I didn't mean to hurt her. Her parents are going to think I did it on purpose. Honey. Uh, then she took the belt and she took a ring off of Lisa's finger. What? She leaves the car. She throws the ring away in a convenience store garbage can. And she throws the belt down the incinerator chute in her dorm. Fuck. Incinerators, so, man. Yeah. How much evidence has been fucking burnt to shreds in, in dorm and dorm incinerators? For real. How about we just close off the, any kind of access to yeah. an incinerator? To fire. Yeah. Fire of any kind. So 
In court, Marathon County District Attorney Greg Grau argues that a death by strangulation of this fashion could not be accidental, that Lori would have had to had the belt in place around Lisa's neck for at least two minutes. Mm -hmm. The jury agrees. And after a seven and a half hour deliberation, Lori Easker is convicted for the first degree murder of Lisa Sahaski. She's sentenced to life in prison with eligibility for parole after 13 years and nine months on July 16th <gasps> of this year. 13 years? That's nothing. July 16th of this year, Lori Easker was released from the Robert E. Ellsworth Correctional Center in Union Grove. She is 50 years old and she is now free Holy on parole. Holy shit. Uh, in 1995, the story of Lisa Haskey's murder was turned into a movie entitled Beauty's Revenge, starring Tracy Gold and Courtney Thorne Smith as playing the part of Lori Easker. Wait, which one was Lori Easker? Uh, is the murderer. Lor is, no, but Courtney Thorne Smith. Courtney Thorne Smith. Oh, yeah, yes. I see that. Yeah, from Melrose Place. Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is very funny because it's such an old, I mean, now it, yeah. to me, it feels antiquated that idea of like, can you believe two beautiful girls, like a beautiful girl yeah. would do this where it's like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Sociopaths, they're yeah. good at being beautiful. Right. It's part of the masking, cloaking right. technique. And then you don't need a Melrose Place actress to fucking seem evil and beautiful. It's no. like you can be Tracy Gold and be fucking. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. The, the thing that, when Bradford was telling me about the story, the reason he knows it is because it was, of course, on the news because yeah. it was like huge news where he lived yeah. uh, when it happened. And then like very, very soon after like the trial took place, mm -hmm. the TV show Twin Peaks premiered. <gasps> and when it came out, his whole family assumed it was a docu-series about this murder. So Holy they watched shit. it as a family. They watched the first episode of Twin Peaks as a family when he was in high school. Did they have a fucking carbon monoxide leak or something? Yeah, <laughs> Jesus but is it Because they just assumed it was like, oh, yeah. it's, it's this story, the way like right. the promos came out they just assumed oh it's a, a murder story of this thing that happened so the whole family sits down to watch it and then i go so did your parents like freak out and he goes no we all loved it then we all watched it every week like even though me and my brother were teenagers it became like the thing my family did wow. and that's how he got into like twin peaks and Holy shit. found out about like you guys send us your hometowns of weird shit you watched with your family. Weird yes. inappropriate stuff that you watched with your family. And mistakes you made like this because that one is like, cause they were basically, yeah. they were inundated with the story of this local, yeah. the Dairy Queen murder. They called it the Beauty Queen murder right. at the time. And so they thought, and I think that's the way Twin Peaks was promoted because yeah. she was, you know, local Laura Palmer. Yeah. yeah. She was the homecoming queen Creepy. or whatever. So, um, yeah. So that's the, that's the story of the murder of Lisa Sahasky. Great job. Thank you. Cool. Good job. Thanks. Um, do you have a fucking hooray? Yes, I do. Well, uh, <laughs> this is my, my secret fucking hooray. But um, so I, uh, I didn't get a mammogram until this year, um, which is uh bad when he's supposed to get them you actually i looked it up um and 
the Mayo Cl- Clinic website says that they recommend women start getting them when they're 40. Okay. Um, you should definitely get them by the time you're 45, you should start getting them regularly. But it's good if you start getting them when you're 40, because then you have a baseline. Right. Don't be like me, who when you have your first one, you're 49, there's no baseline. So if they find something irregular, they immediately panic and you have to go back and get more man- mammograms and ultrasounds and then ultimately a biopsy, wow. which was what I had to do yeah. last week. And for, you know, I was pretty sure I didn't have breast cancer. It does not run in my family. Um, it, it just isn't a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I just kind of was pretty sure I didn't, but scared the shit out of myself for like yeah. a good 14 days waiting to find out if I did or not. Um, and I will tell you this for the people who are like, eh, I'll just do it later. Get them early so that you can create this baseline because biopsies are the most awful things. <sighs> it is really nasty. They put a big long needle oh. into your boob. Don't do it to yourself. If you can be preventive, yeah. preventative and like take care of yourself just do it. Yeah. I highly just as a person who just went through a little mini quiet drama that I told you about yeah. and about three other people. Um, honored. <laughs> Georgia, hold, I was honored to hold that with you. You you really did hold it with me nicely. <laughs> you. And you kept saying, do you want to um, what did you say? You sent me a text that was like, do you want to be emotional about this or something? You kept asking me these hilarious questions. Because you were like, I'm fine. Everything's going to be fine. And I was like, well, if you want to be emotional, if you don't want to be fine, <laughs> I'm here for yes. that too. You were allowing me to not be fine. And my answer was, let's save it for when there's actually right. for sure a reason to not be fine. Right. Um, and so luckily, luckily, luckily. Knock on wood. There was no reason. But I will just take that and as a l- little piece of wisdom to pass on to the younger listeners. Please, please get, just get your baseline mammogram. Just do it. No, you should. Get your baseline everything and like, just make sure that you're healthy. Yes. Pay attention. Yeah. You don't understand how important your health is because you take it for granted when you're young. So, you know, do it. Okay. I, okay. In eight months, I'll do it. When I turn 40. That'll be my present to you. Is I'll drive you over. <laughs> Will you hold my and, hand? Yes. And and Ooh. while some strange lady with gloves on just smashes, smashes your, your boob. Tit. And it oh. yeah, and look, you get you get awesome. your boob smashed. It's a rite of passage. It's not so painful that you cry, but it does hurt your feelings a lot. <laughs> it's it hurts Literally. your feelings that you're like, who made this machine? Why do they hate women yeah. so much? Yeah. Why can't we update these machines? Good one. Well, <laughs> I can't follow that up. Come on. Um, um, mine is that you're you got the okay, every okay. Everything's fine, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it is. I don't know. I had Rosh Hashanah dinner at my house with my whole family, and it was lovely. And the only political talk was when I wasn't in the room. So <gasps> nice. That's a bonus. <laughs> the brisket came out beautiful, thanks to Vince. Yeah, and it was like a really nice time. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I was gonna send you a Rosh Hashanah gift because there's a ton of them. <laughs> yeah, there, uh, there's one with a, a shofar and some apples and honey going down a river, <laughs> and I was like, "What's this about?" I had to look it up. To if see you ever what it was need about. a gift to send to me on a Jewish holiday there is an um, Siamese cat dressed in uh, like our Jewish garb just send me that photo 
<laughs> if you look it up online. That's the one for you. Look up Hanukkah Siamese cat. What about the one that I sent to you, Lauren, that day? That's the, um, it's the guy that's in like, uh, Hasidic Jewish clothing that's mm-hmm. on a motorbike that skids up to the camera and then it just says Jewish in all caps. <laughs> that was my favorite yeah, one so far. One. Gifts, man. Gifts. That's my fucking array. They're great. You can use them for anything. People who have lived only in the time where gifts existed, you have no idea how sad it used to be. You know that you could only say to other people when you were shrugging your shoulders saying, oh, you had to say that? (laughs) There was no gift to send them. It was like, uh, Uh uh-uh. Like conveyed, uh uh-uh. No. You had to be like, you had to say it out loud. Yeah, you had to say it as yourself. There was no witty child that that got captured on camera that would do it for you. Eating a fucking corn dog. Yeah. The one I love is that little boy that's holding the cup and looking around like, what the fuck? You know that one? It, it, <laughs> no. You can use it for anything. What about the little girl that's holding the cotton candy at a baseball game and just goes <sighs> fucking crazy? Yes. She is like We've all sh- been her. sugar high. There's actually one and I can't find it anymore. It's that same little girl. She goes crazy and then takes off like a rocket and goes <laughs> a- up out of the gif. It's so funny. Guys, um, tweet us your favorite gif at my fave murder on and, Twitter. And we don't want to hear if you pronounce it gif. Oh, it's not gif. It's not gif. It's gif. It, it's gif. If they came in too late with the connect, correct, connect, the connect <laughs> pronunciation. <laughs> oh man, that I vape, that vape is, not touch that vape. That vape is getting to you. <laughs> I knew it. There's just vapes all around our feet <laughs> on the ground around here. Stephen just tr- keeps trying to give us vapes. Is it either of your vapes? You guys you, need to chill the don't fuck. Don't you feel like up. you want to vape? No, um, no vaping. You guys are the best. We're we're happy to be here. Thanks for listening, you guys. Yeah, we're very grateful. Um, we have a very good time on this podcast yeah. and we are happy that you do too yep and uh and that's just what we're gonna assume is happening <laughs> i mean why would you get to this fucking insane point in the podcast if you weren't stoked yeah you better be yeah are you vaping or what i mean you gotta be um do not vape don't vape i won't we won't we won't we promise no more vaping. we're all promising okay stay sexy and don't get murdered goodbye, goodbye. elvis do you want a cookie ah.